Okay, Howard, we're going to do, uh, we haven't done one of these in a long time, but they're going to become considerably more frequent. But we're going to do uh, an Ask Me Anything. Excellent. I'm looking forward to this. So uh, I'll, I'll go through, well, we kind of looked at the questions that people had submitted, which was great. There were like dozens of them. And um, we're just going to try and go through, I don't know, like a half dozen or so anyways, uh, and see where we get to. So if you're game, I don't have them in any particular order, I'm realizing. So I'm just going to go ahead and the order I have them in front of me. So let's just start with, um, and I'll chime in wherever and just make things up as well. Um, so <laughs> like, like I usually do. So, um, what's, let's start with this one. I've, uh, I've heard someone else. This is kind of an interesting question. I've heard that mitochondria zone two in an ego San Milan sense is different than zone two. How would you explain, how can you explain how, or how would we know when you're in mitochondria zone two? I'm not really sure what that's, uh, anyways, I'll throw that out. Do we, uh- well, there's various ways that we look at zone two, right? Yeah, we can right. look at it, you know, from a, a heart rate perspective. Yeah. Um, we talk about 220 minus age and this percentage of your maximum heart rate. But what we're referring to is what's happening physiologically, right? right? What's happening in your mitochondria? What is your lactate doing? Where is your mitochondrial flexibility? Are you burning glucose? Are you burning fat? Are you burning more fat than glucose? How for how long are you burning that fat, etc.? Yeah. So from a mitochondrial or physiological perspective, we're talking about how long uh, you can keep your lactate uh, below this first threshold or first inflection up as your effort increases or time increases. So below that is uh, for 10 to 15 beats below that is your zone two from a physiological perspective. And honestly, that physiological perspective should shape what your heart rate zone two is. Yeah. So, yeah, I, ideally, you're staying you're staying below that first inflection of your lactate. But I don't think, if I'm reading between the lines on what this guy's asking, I've heard that mitochondria is on two. I, I think that this is one of these things where people get somewhat confused. Like I see people using, you know, zone two, zone one being anything up to like I don't know uh, your your lactate threshold, and like I don't they don't really differentiate between. Um, you know, anything that's aerobic is, from their standpoint, is like zone-based training. And I think that's part of the confusion is the, the, how loosely all these terms get used, right? Sure. I mean, in a, in a three-zone model, yeah. zone one is before your first inflection of right. lactate or, or your LT1. Zone two is between your LT1 and LT2. And yeah. zone three is anything above it. Yeah. But many of us focus on a five-zone model yeah. Uh, so zone two will be the first inflection and then count back about 10 to 15 beats per minute. Yeah. And then you got your zone one uh, and zone zero below that. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Let's launch on to the next one. What's this? Is, uh, I wish I knew the answer to this, but we've talked about it before. <laughs> I, um, what's the best way to improve VO2 max? What should be, uh, and I'm going to ignore the second part of the question, which is a target heart rate for training uh, and frequency of training. But let, this question of what's the best way to improve VO2 max is one you know, we get all the time. So let's just throw it out there and, you know, I'll give my two cents, but your thoughts. 
<laughs> can start off with whether we should care, but let's uh, maybe ignore that. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, a lot of classicists are going to say, look, VO2 max is a significant de- determinant of longevity. Yeah. Um, but once you're at a certain, uh, you know, certain level at a certain age, is it important to push that higher? Um, maybe, maybe not. And this is you and I, where, where you and I are going to annoy a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I'm in the uh, maybe not camp um, in that, you know, VO2 max efforts uh, are hard um, and painful. And not that I avoid that, but I do like to avoid getting hurt. And, uh, <laughs> since I've passed my sixth decade, uh, I tried to avoid them or do them only once every other week or so. Yeah. But zone, zone two and low heart rate efforts improve all zones above that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a key, right? I, I mean, that people don't realize it's, it's not just that, you know, working at low intensities only improves, I don't know, pushes around your aerobic threshold. It can actually have a, over time, have a pretty material impact on your VO2 max as well. It's kind of a myth that it doesn't. Sure, absolutely. I've improved my VO2 max by just doing aerobic work, uh, yeah. low heart rate aerobic work, uh, yeah. and some threshold work. Um, I don't mind doing threshold work. Uh, I, I like to live in that area, but I do not enjoy my VO2 efforts. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the answer to that is, is, you know, there's obviously various things like intervals and what have you that are, you know, trainer, coaches and others will use to push you to at, to keep you at that level where you're working directly on your VO2 max. But, you know, the risk always is you're going to get, you get injured or something goes wrong or whatever else. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, I just, to gain one point of VO2 max or a half a point of VO2 max, I just lost six because I've been on my back for the, or, you know, but the rest <laughs> months, right. So you have to be, yeah, so I mean, classically different. they say, you know, four to six, four minute efforts yeah. at ma- near maximum heart rate. Uh, yeah. And, that sounds all well and good. And if you enjoy doing that and you have the body that's going to handle it, you do that once a week and you're good. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I th- you'll just pass me. <laughs> exactly. Um, how long should we do zone two training for better outcomes? I'm not sure. We can interpret long in two different ways, I guess. Like how long do individual efforts need to be? And for her, like how long as a function of my life do I need to do it? Let's take both of those. A good, good point. Um, yeah. So, uh, as Dr. Samilan likes to state, um, improving your mitochondrial efficiency and physiology requires a long effort. And he'll define long as over 60 to 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, so uh, at least two 60 to 90 minute sessions a week. Um, is enough to drive that adaptation. Yeah. And it, but that's the key though, right? I mean, they have to be at least that long otherwise just it's just not having enough of a, a duration effect, right? So, uh, you know, and yeah, that's it's the, not enough of a stress on yeah. the mitochondria to result in the adaptation that you're looking for. Right. So, in terms of how long you need to keep doing it, this is an interesting question. <laughs> I mean, the answer obviously is <laughs> It's not, what's your hurry? <laughs> Why are you trying to stop? I mean, it's hard, right? So, um, you know, it's not like it's a medicine where I just need to take it for a little while and, and now I can go back to whatever madness I was doing before. Right, right, right. And look, 
things happen in our lives. You know, I had that long, long COVID. I had yeah. a stress fracture a few years ago and I lost a lot of health and it took me a long time to get back and I couldn't do, you know, my 90 to 120 minute sessions, but eventually I did. Uh, yeah. And I got back, I got back my VO2 max and, and you could do it, but I'm not going to uh, cry in my bed because I didn't hit two, two 90 minute sessions in a week, but it's certainly my goal. Yeah, and turning it around, um, I just finished doing like a bunch of training for a series of races, and now, like, I'm going right back to doing like, you know basic base training, where I'm doing you know eight to sort of eight ish hours a week or whatever of almost exclusively low heart rate zone two stuff, um, and you know, and I think the temptation a lot of people have is they feel like okay, well, I've done my base training, and now I can just go out and sprint madly around and do intervals and whatever else. <laughs> Right. I mean, and that's fine. And if that's what you find pleasurable, but if the point is like health and longevity, there isn't really a limit in the sense that like, okay, now I've done my zone two work and I can move on to something else. It's just something you continue to do forever. Right. Exactly. And for me, I've given up a lot of the interval work uh, for my gym work. Yeah. You know, my power training efforts now are getting my heart rate up just, just as high as I need it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure. So, um, okay, so let's go on to uh, uh, how does zone 2 training interact with blood glucose levels in type 1 dia- di- type one diabetics? There's an interesting question. Well, there's different ways to regulate our glucose levels. Some are insulin dependent and some are insulin independent. So exercise opens up uh, exola, exor, ex, ugh, insulin independent pathways. Um, so when you're exercising, will move receptors to the cell surface that do not rely on the presence of insulin to transport glucose into the cell. Yeah. Uh, so there's less reliance on, on insulin. And that lasts for 18 to 24 hours uh, after uh, about of exercise. So is, I mean, my general response on this kind of, people can see a transient spike in blood glucose during exercise, but it's nothing to worry about. I mean, I think sometimes that's at the root of what people are asking. Sure. You can, if your exercise is, well, this is interesting. If, if you're, if you're exercising at a low effort, you're going to see a drop because you're opening up these channels yeah. to transport glucose into the cell without without insulin. However, if you're pushing hard, your liver thinks that you're dying, and it's <laughs> going to try yeah. and push out a lot of glucose via gluconeogenesis. So you'll spike your glucose levels up uh, because of that. This is the end of the free public preview of the Simpla Vita podcast. For the full podcast, including a transcript and show notes, you can upgrade at simplavita.com. podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or other professional health care services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. Content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. And we will not respond to requests for medical advice.